Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to The Female Gaze, a podcast that celebrates and dissects the female gaze in art and popular culture. I'm Jesse Katz, joined today by my brilliant co-host, Alana Rodriguez. <laughs> Hi, guys. And our very, very special guest, Skyping in all the way from literally the streets of London, where she currently lives, filmmaker and female gaze icon, I would say, Desiree Akhavan. Hi, Desiree. Hey, um, I'm so sorry I'm on the street right now. <laughs> Why don't, can you set the scene for us? What what do you see in front of you Paint right the now? Pick for yeah. us. So many shoppers. I am in shortage. <laughs> oh man. Which is like the Williamsburg yeah. of London. Okay. And I am walking back home. Okay. Uh, from a meeting I couldn't reschedule. Got it. And uh, <laughs> this is my life is like taking important calls while on the street and like almost getting hit by a car. Yeah. This well, is this is my reality. We are so honored and happy that you are able to dial us in from the street. So thank you. Yeah. And don't don't die <laughs> for our you. sake. Yeah, please. If you, you have know, to throw the phone and run, we'll understand. I was just in London and I was actually shocked by those big red buses. They don't give a fuck what you're doing. If you're on one of those little oh, bikes, no. they will trample you. They don't at all. No. It, there's no And if you sit at the top, sorry to cut you off, but if you sit at the top and you you look out it's like you just get so fucking close to the other cars yes it's really terrifying how tight those spaces are it's it's, it's horrible okay well stay safe out there <laughs> stay, stay safe uh okay so guys uh, if you aren't familiar with all of desiree's projects get cracking uh desiree is the writer director star of a film very beloved by me and many people i know the 2014 film appropriate behavior she's also the writer director of 2018's the miseducation of cameron post which won the grand jury prize at the sundance film festival no small thing and Desiree is a creator and star of the new series, The Bisexual, which is now available on Hulu. But before we get to all of those amazing things that Desiree has made, it's time for a round of Float Your Boat <laughs> and Be In Your Body. Okay. Oh, man. So we are going to start us off, and then we're going to toss it to Desiree. Uh, but Desiree, feel free to chime in if you have any thoughts on our picks of the week. All right, Alana, yes. will you start with Float Your Boat? What's floating your boat this um, week? What's floating my boat? Okay, so it is uh, a couple things, but it's it's all related. There is um, a woman. Her name is Joanna Toruño. She is from El Salvador. Um, she has an account. It's called the Unapologetically Brown Series, and essentially she is um, creating art to uplift uh, people of color and queer people of color in the community. So she was born and raised in El Salvador. At 10 years old, she moved to New York. She was very inspired by um, a lot of really important writers and culture and politics and I think for her she was like why is there no place for me to see people like me or express myself so she started creating art and essentially it's like her own poetry or her own words and I'm going to find one that's pretty interesting and she layers it um, with really beautiful art so she will say I'm trying to find it right now because it's in my Instagram for example 
She has, and sorry guys, you can't see this, but I really encourage you to follow the Unapologetically Brown series on Instagram. But it's a beaut, like this is a poster and it is beautiful, earthy flowers. And on top of it, she writes, heteronormativity is a mediocre colonial concept and she'll just stick it around New York City. Um, and then there's another one that says, brown girl, heiress of the streets, walk tall with your head high, melanin dripping from your thighs, vibrate the city with the strength of your ancestors on your hips. Brown girl, this world is yours. So she like creates this beautiful art with empowering messaging and she just puts that shit up all over New York City. So um, it's really what's floating my boat, just that particular account, this incredible woman. Um, and we will tweet out this article that talks a little more about her. It's on Nylon, written by Angelica um, Acevedo. <laughs> um, so we'll tweet that out. But I love it. I think it's awesome. super empowering. Fucking awesome. That's floating my boat. Have you seen it? In New York? I haven't yeah. seen it, and I am on a. I'm trolling the streets to find it. I'm trolling. <laughs> it's a good scavenger but, um, hunt for anyone. In it New is. York. It is. And with the day that I find it myself firsthand, I will take a photo with it. Beautiful. <laughs> good. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, okay. My float the boat this week is the movie Let the Sunshine In, which is a very bad uh, English translation of a French title, which is more like Interior Sun. Um, but it is directed by Claire Denis, uh, starring Juliette Binoche. And it's actually available on Hulu right now, not to keep um, touting Hulu, but I guess it's appropriate <laughs> for this episode. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's, it's amazing. I saw it on some critics' best of lists uh, for performances this year. And Juliette Binoche is always amazing. She's especially amazing in this. It's basically a movie about a woman who goes from one bad relationship to another. So on its it sounds surface, like my life. Yeah, and it honestly doesn't sound like a very appealing story to me because I feel like how many kind of sad sack middle-aged women having bad romances do we need in the world? Like mm -hmm. it doesn't sound like a very empowering film, but the way that it's shot and written uh, and also the DP is a woman, Agnes Godard, um, is amazing because you're just like living with this woman. The camera stays on her through almost everything and through all of the heartache and the frustration and the resilience from one like shitty man to another, you're just in her skin. And oh. that alone was amazing to see. Anyway, so I highly recommend. And that is my float your boat. All right, Desiree, do you have one for us? Yeah, so it's not at all current. Fine. But I, it is current in my life. Perfect. Because I've been living out of a bag for the past few months. Okay. And I just got back to London after doing press in various cities. And I'm in my flat for the first time and in my kitchen for the first time in a long time. Uh -huh. So I've been cooking, which has been really nice. And yeah. I'm trying to, to, I'm Iranian or my whole family is. And so I've been using the cookbook that I grew up with which is called um. Food Food of Life. And it's by, it's actually kind of interesting. It's by this woman named Najmie Badwangali. Uh -huh. And she and her husband uh, self-published the book. And they've got two kids that they raised in the States, I believe Washington. Okay. And one of them is Zal Badwangali, the oh. filmmaker. And the other mm -hmm. one is Rostam Badwangali, the musician. Yeah. So they have these That's two kick-ass creative boys who are both queer Love and it. really talented. <laughs> so it's just this family of talent. But the book that she wrote is kind of our, it was my cooking Bible growing up. And this week I, I made um, 
Persian meatballs. Oh. So I was really excited about that. Kukte Berenji. They oh. came out really nicely. I followed the recipe. <laughs> and I highly recommend that people get into Persian cooking. It's really good. I feel I like that. if you grow up eating this food, then you're going to become a really cool queer artist is what we're saying. Here, right? <laughs> I there think that's what we're saying. Theme. Go out, buy the it's, cookbook. Yeah. It's really strange because I never knew anybody remotely queer. Like any wasn't anyone who wasn't following like a Kardashian aesthetic right. to right. being Iranian <laughs> lifestyle, monetary, fashion, etc. Yeah. And then now that I'm getting older and meeting other people who are like, oh no, I know a bunch of gay Iranians. It's really <laughs> surprising. Like, oh. Okay. It's like, where were they all my life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Well, that's a good lesson. If you feel alone, just try to stay on this planet long enough. Right. You'll eventually exactly. find other people like you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, that's good. I like um, that. That was a good one. Okay, be in your bonnet. Alana. Ugh. Okay, guys, this one I'm feeling so conflicted on, and I need you to help me because the be in my bonnet this week is um, women calling women cunts. And I was feeling, <laughs> I'm feeling a little bit conflicted because honestly, I call women cunts all the time. I say that. In what context? Be, like, oh, she's being such a cunt. Or, oh, that was so cunty. You know, so I've. I've it really I've, rolls off the tongue. It does. It like so really It's so nice flavorful. Crunch to it. It does. But the reason why I'm so salty is because last night my ex called me that directly at me with like it was like a hard jab like it made me, she said it wasn't with love no <laughs> and def, absolutely not um she was really upset with me long story short because I was going to stop by the apartment and pick up the rest of my things I did not give her enough notice and in her defense I didn't but I thought she was going to be at work and she was whatever long story short this is she not goes, really why she this called is you not this, this is not why she you called me you were being a cunt I was being a cunt I was being a cunt but she says direct quote she goes Jesus Christ you shave your head and you turn into a fucking cunt huh and when she said that I was like mm, that made me feel tight because right after you guys broke up you shaved your head because right after Context. we broke up yeah I shaved my head because I had my and Britney became a moment cunt. and I became a and I became <laughs> a cunt fighting words. well yeah and it's like also for me I was like well that's a new one that that's new usually it's like you're a monster wish I never met you like all of these like really dreadful things and last night not only was it a new word to add to her vocabulary against me it was just very um it was Full of oh, so I much think you're hate. just using this as an opportunity to rank your ex <laughs> I am done. I think you love the word cunt. You're just mad at your ex <laughs> Maybe I'm just tight because it was directed at me. So yeah, you already this said you like yeah, to use it against yeah. other women. It's a, it's, a, it's a very, I'm taking the yeah. B personally because I was called a cunt last night. Okay. So, um, it was a very specific B how did, in Desiree, your specific you like, bonnet. Tell me yeah. you like the word cunt. <laughs> I really like cunt, but I can understand if someone was like, that's... If it, it's so personal. Like, yeah. I like the word dyke a lot, Same. but I wouldn't use it as a slur. I think that's probably it. Like, in what, with what intention are you using the word cunt? But you know what? Like, in the show, uh, in my show, which I'll plug right now, yes, the, good, the good, Bisexual good. Yes, 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 on yes. Hulu, I do say someone's such a fucking cunt, and I say it with anger. Yeah. Um, it's not something I use that much in life. But I think it's such a it's it I, like it's unfortunate because it's a beautiful word. Yeah. And maybe I need to reevaluate my intention with it. That's that's exactly but, what I was thinking too because it it means yeah. you know it's like you know a woman's vagina like why why should we be using that as a negative thing to call another woman when it's what makes us who, a woman and it empowers us. But you call us. people a dick. Like right. insults are insults. Like they you say them because they're right. like it's language. It's it's. 
yeah. it's about the intention of it matching the sound of it, I think. I think you're right. I had the same thought about Dick, too. I was well, like, we call people dicks. I think also part of our hesitation about it is that historically these are words that have been used by the people who don't identify that way as an insult, right? So, mm-hmm. like, I don't think any of us would really love for men to call women yeah. Only we get to say Yeah, there's it, right? something very True. violent about it. Like, yeah. I guess it that yeah. there's a violence there. The same with faggot. That really yes. upsets me. Right. Yep. Me too. Me too. Okay. Okay, well. We found our middle ground there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, guys. We're all just kind of meh without an answer yeah. on that yeah. one, huh? Uh, yeah. Okay, well, how about that? I would like you guys to help me on my B. Go I on. get really annoyed when white friends text non-white emojis. And I don't know if I'm being overly sensitive about this, no, but it drives very... me fucking nuts. So I have I one. I find it really annoying, it's too. It's so rude. I'm like, you're not brown. I just feel like we but all made. Like a little too progressive. Right. A little, like, adorably <laughs> yeah. progressive. But no one gave them permission it to do that yet. my skin. I we agree. all made a silent agreement to use the emojis that we feel closest match our skin color, right? Absolutely. Like, until there's a purple middle it's finger. It's the whitest people I know yes. who do it. Yes. yes. <laughs> That's right. Like if it we're like my coolest friends. I'm like, why are you it's using not, that? Yeah. You do not have that much melatonin. That is not correct. Right. Okay. Good. So we all have yeah. the C. Okay. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. I always use the like the Luke the honey brown. Uh-huh. You know that that's my thing. And you know what? I appreciate. Yeah, I use the honey brown. Yes. Oh, me too, girl. <laughs> um, and I appreciate when people use emojis that match their skin tone. Like bottom line, that's why they're created. Otherwise, they'd all be the weird yellow ones that it started off with. Remember, it was like that. Very, like, chalky yellow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I keep telling my very, very uh, Ashkenazi Jewish friend who uses a brown emoji <laughs> that just because emoji? she does self-tanning doesn't mean she can use that. And she gets so angry at me. But you know what? <laughs> That's what's up. That's what's up. I like that. All right. Desiree, give us a B. Uh, this is so... I can't believe I'm sharing this. It's embarrassing because it makes me look petty. But I'm really, I think I just went there. <laughs> it makes me seem so petty, and I am petty. I just have to be honest. I've been yeah. working too much, and I'm petty, and my whole existence <laughs> is about work. But I hate these end-of-year lists. Oh. They give me a lot of anxiety. I feel like it's the same 10 projects over and oh. over and over again. It's. I never discover anything new through them. Yeah. Right. And... Um, yeah, I really am sick of people's end of year lists. I, huh, I agree with you. And it's also funny because, like, I'll read all of the film ones in the New York Times every year. And, you know, each critic will give their own list and they match like 90% of the list. Right. But it's like, oh, wow, you liked Star is Born right. as well. <laughs> I'm so glad we're giving that young up and comer Bradley Cooper a platform. <laughs> It's just like the same things. And I, I, I I'm you. sure if I was on every list, I would feel differently. Um, no, but so I, right. I'd like to think that That's I wouldn't. Amazing. I'd like to think that even if I were being heavily featured, I'd think. I love that. I don't know. It's just the same things. Yeah. It's, so it's, right. it's like the things that are. Yeah, no, those those fucking annoying. Well, it's, it's yeah. I just feel like it's an echo chamber. Right. I feel like all of media about indie cinema and mainstream cinema is like starting to blur yeah. because the lines are blurring yeah. and it's just an echo chamber of like these are the 10 things that made the most money go see it right and like yeah no right. i got it or their if- pna budgets are <laughs> fucking huge that's why you love them right uh, or if every single critic is picking the same indie film on their list then what does that really say even nothing yeah i like 
Uh, I, and like people tweeting about the the swag for the film that they love that they got because they're a critic. Go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> so good. Wait. Okay. While we're on this subject, did you see a Star Is Born? It's like high school. It Sorry. Is. I just, like, no, it, it just is. reminds me so much of high school. It is. Cool, quote cool kids club. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Home homecoming. Oh, queen. like the money kids club. Yes. It's not even cool. I just think like have an original opinion. Under this whole yes. system feels a lot like the longer I'm doing this job like the more i love it and yet on the other hand the more like the selling and the commoditizing of films feels like high school bullshit bullshit word okay well yeah. that's a, that's a good segue to get into your okay. shit then yeah let's get into Ooh, your shit that petty. was a great be what a petty cunt i am <laughs> you're such a petty cunt yeah well we're gonna check it's your true. pettiness when yeah. you start appearing on those lists we're gonna call you up and see if you still I know. hate them <laughs> how do you feel about them now yeah bitch? exactly <laughs> Uh, wow. Let's get into the deep talk with Desiree Akvan about her extensive work and female gaze. Uh, so Desiree, you came on a podcast I was hosting for the Hollywood Reporter four years ago. It was super fun. It was super fun. I re-listened to a little bit of it until I hated myself too much to keep listening because I hadn't done it for very long. But it was the first podcast you. you ever did, so that was exciting. Um, so oh, you wow, had, was it? Yeah, you said. I don't know. Maybe you were being kind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm sure it was. It was still a little early days. It's been a little... There've been a lot of podcasts yeah. over the past few years, right. and I've now become so nonchalant and phoned it in to such yeah. degree that I'll be walking home on Shoreditch High Street while I do this. That's true. We've come a long way, um, and you even did fresh air since then. But I do love when I feel like I've scooped Terry Gross on someone, which is how I felt when I heard you on there. Um, so, yeah, when I met you, you had just screened Appropriate Behavior at Outfest in LA. Yeah, um, and I talked about appropriate behavior all the time basically from then until now because it came out thank as, you well uh, like it came out of i as, knew somebody was <laughs> responsible for <laughs> the five me. clicks we got in the past year <laughs> every six months i go oh, on and click again yeah. um no but i will say that i've spread the gospel to a lot of people because in that same basically year span that that movie came out we also saw Jill Soloway's Afternoon Delight, mm-hmm. um, and also a couple movies by dudes, which I put in this grouping, which is Joe Swanberg's Shrinking Buddies and Noah Baumbach's Francis Ha. I was obsessed with those four movies, and I think it's because all of a sudden a bunch of indie films came out that showed these very multidimensional female characters that we had not seen before. And it was like, oh, something feels different about what's mm-hmm. going on in film right now. Whether or not that's really continued to progress, I think it's you can probably still count maybe four movies a year uh, yeah. that embody that. But yours was definitely one of those. Um, and it was also amazing because if you look at you compared to those other directors, most of them have been around for a long time. I mean, Afternoon Delight was Jill's first feature, but she had been working in the industry and in TV for decades. And you just came out of seemingly nowhere to most of us and, you know, hit this home run with that movie anyway. So uh, for anyone who hasn't seen that movie, um, you were playing what maybe some kind of version of yourself at the time. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. You were living in Brooklyn then, right? 
Yeah. You've since um, deserted deserted us. Left, left us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I went to London shortly after I did your podcast. Um, but I would call it like, yeah, auto fiction, which is a, a genre. I think that's what the French call it. And I, I like that word because yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, it's fiction, but it's clearly based on, on something personal and the roots are real right. and honest. But of course, the minute you commit something to paper and start to shape it into a narrative, convenient for 90 minutes then suddenly it takes on its own life sure 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 so i mean basically the movie is about a bisexual iranian american woman in brooklyn who is grappling with a breakup and also trying to figure out how to possibly come out to her family um and i remember you used to call it a gay annie hall which i think is very accurate especially for the structure it kind of goes back and forth um through the different chapters of that breakup um and i remember well I reheard you tell us on that first podcast that you did that um, you said that you have a very mainstream sense of humor and that you felt just as entitled as any white middle-aged dude, meaning just that like you weren't trying to be an activist necessarily with your storytelling, but you were just telling what you thought was funny and true. And it just so happened that the very fact of that is a little bit activist and political because of your identity, right? Mm-hmm. But that wasn't your intention as a filmmaker necessarily. Well, it's incredibly, I mean, that's the thing is that like, I I definitely think I'm the world's laziest activist, but I can't take <laughs> it away that it's really powerful to see, you know, a Middle Eastern woman who isn't like also a catalog model yep. star in something. It's it's really powerful to see queer stories. It's powerful to to see anything that you don't see normally Absolutely. or especially a demographic that's either like villainized or uh, victimized on screen. Yeah. So yeah, I definitely consider it activism, but it's uh, also what comes naturally. And I care most about telling a really good story and telling it honestly than like shoving an agenda down a viewer's throat. Yes. But you know, I feel like you're being a little self-deprecating with that lazy adjective. Because, <laughs> I mean, to make a film like Miseducation of Cameron Post, that I, I'm assuming was years of really fucking hard work. And again, I know ultimately you're just trying to tell a good story, but I think you're a very hard Yeah, no, I definitely care... Thanks. I I care that um, I care that it's a story you haven't heard before and that needs to be told. Yeah. Like, I think it's immoral to take up space in someone's life with even with like a a 90 minute narrative, Mm -hmm. unless you're you're telling something new. And I, I take that responsibility seriously of the responsibility of being at the helm of storytelling and having other people's eyes on you. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I think that's why sometimes I get overly annoyed by certain things that I just don't think we need to see anymore. Oh, yeah. Like when I saw the trailer for mid 90s, which I haven't seen. Maybe it's a good film. But I'm like, I don't care about this story about white boys growing up in the 90s. Like they have enough of that. That's That's all we have. feel about Star is Born. It's all. Which, of course, I should admit I haven't seen. But like just having seen. I'm sorry. But in the trailer, there's a moment where she's he's like, why don't you sing your own songs? And she's like, well, no one thinks I'm beautiful enough. And then he says. I, do. I think you're I beautiful. Do. And I, there's so many layers to unpack with the bullshittery that is that scene where it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You don't sing your own. That makes no sense. Right. Like you'll still sing right. covers. Like you're right. just ugly enough to sing some covers. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, go, judging by that logic, which is flawless, 
Um, actually, I do think you're fuckable enough to do some original material because um, music's all about how you look. I huh. seriously Oh, thank wish. you so much. <laughs> we have been having this Star is Born debate for the past three episodes. Every episode. Every episode because I need just... to watch it so I can stand by this opinion. Please. That's just how you I feel. Can. Right now. You, me, no, you, you can. can definitely stand by that opinion. But a great like it's just all the same shit in our faces all the fucking time. And I think that's why yeah. you know, like you are so refreshing. And there's so it's like there's the the demographic of individuals that need to be represented is so fucking huge that it still shocks me that it's still the same movies that are blockbusters, you know, whether that's a funding thing or not, because when there is something so powerful, like the work that you do, it speaks volumes. But then look at it this way. Sorry to cut you off, but like star is born is doing good business. Like that's the reason it's on the forefront of my mind right now, because I, I just, I'm coming from LA where I took, um, a lot of meetings with a lot of studios Mm -hmm. and we were talking about star is born because it was just like, well, what do audiences go to? And, Mm -hmm. you know, Cameron post didn't sell out of Sundance. It took two months to sell. It released in like two theaters. It did really well, but in for two theaters Mm -hmm. and it, it didn't, it didn't prove its place in the marketplace, which, Mm -hmm. which I'm the, you know, at the forefront of my mind, I'm thinking about the business of making movies and of entertaining people and giving them what they want while staying true to my own agenda and morals. Mm -hmm. And it's really, I mean, people are trying to figure out why is this film suddenly beloved? And I I think a lot of studios are thinking, you know, people just want comfort food right now, that the world is such a hard, sad place, that something very familiar, even like crazy rich Asians, like you're willing to, yeah. Yeah. Like, it's very cool that it's an all Asian cast. It is it is groundbreaking and awesome. But the story it's selling is a very uh, classic narrative that we've seen a thousand times before. And it's mm-hmm. so exciting that it has that twist. Yeah. But um, I definitely am aware of the fact that Cameron Post may have, you know, it definitely... I don't know. It just wasn't the right film at the right time with the right distribution plan yeah well i i really hope i mean whatever you want to make next i'm there for it but the thought that you are going to tailor your creative choices around what (laughs) could do well in the box office i mean at a certain point it's only going to be marvel movies i mean crazy rich asians and stars born those are exceptions you know and you know i don't i don't want you making crazy rich asians and a star is born like i'm going to keep making your shit i think at some point filmmakers are going to have to accept that like streaming platforms are going to be where their bread and butter is because the movie theaters are which not is cool, going to be showing which is those. fine which is fine you just don't want to preach to the choir like i want to make a film yeah. i didn't grow up on art house cinema right like right. i grew up going to go see what was what was playing in the mainstream movie theaters with my parents yeah. i went to whatever my parents dragged me to mm-hmm. and that would have been star is born and that's what has an impact on people's lives and yeah. you know i think most filmmakers want to make work that touches people I'm sure. with you, like why should like why should you have to settle for streaming like go fucking go for the big I, and i'm not saying streaming is bad like if i could go back i think current post would have done better on netflix than in the movie theaters uh-huh. i don't mm-hmm. think we need to be married to the way that we consume things yeah. but i guess to me the idea is like can you tell a story i thought that you know having chloe Moretz uh-huh. in the leading role would be enough of an enticement mm-hmm. for mainstream audiences. Right. And I, now I'm like, was it? Yeah. Maybe there are other elements that you need to like, just like when 
you know, Jerry Seinfeld's wife puts, you know, broccoli into the brownie mix. <laughs> yeah, that's what, what else can I do? Yeah. Uh, right. I mean, well, we could fall down the rabbit hole on why we think Cameron Post didn't find the audience it should have. I, you no, know. why? God, I've become a real downer no, okay. in this okay, call. Okay, like, okay. We went from like why I, I, I really I thought I'd become less bitter and angry <laughs> as we spoke. I brought it with the top 10 list. I'm so sorry to no. you and your listeners. No, no, no. I'm just going to say that, you know, some years that the marketplace is just different, like certain yeah. films. I don't yeah. know if Juno and... Not to say that those are the best films ever, but they were huge hits of the early aughts were like Juno and, and Little Miss Sunshine. And yep. I think in like the current marketplace, it wouldn't have done well. No, not at all. I completely agree with that. Yeah. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, let's talk about the bisexual. <laughs> While we yes. still have you, because I know we don't have you all day, sadly. Um, and I want to talk about some very specific choices that you made in that, because first of all, the show's brilliant. Uh, and I watched it with I watched the first episode when I was staying with a straight married couple in D.C., <laughs> some oh? good friends of mine. And they had just put their kids to bed. And I was like, guys, this new show just <laughs> came out on anyone? Hulu. Yeah, I really want to watch it. Can we watch it? And yeah. they're like, yeah. And they fucking loved it. They thought it was so oh, funny. Great. Continue to watch it after I left. Um, so I think it has a broader audience than Fuck yeah. some people might expect from the title. Um, so basically you play Layla, an Iranian-American woman living in London, and the <laughs> Shocker. Auto what a stretch. Um, the start of the show finds your character ending a 10-year relationship with a woman who is also her business partner. And then it follows the aftermath of your breakup as you decide to explore dating men for the first time in your life uh, and also kind of figure out your future with Sadie. So, okay. Uh, let's start a little more broadly, and then I just want to zoom in on a couple of moments in particular. So, um, first, I have a question about how you chose to kind of split the narrative, maybe not 50-50, but um, a significant part of the show, there's your storyline, and then there's a storyline of your straight male roommate, Gabe. And I thought that was a really interesting choice uh, especially towards the beginning of the series, I was wondering why you did that for a show called The Bisexual, why you would give so much screen time to this straight cis dude. And then by the time you get to kind of where his story arc ends up, you understand that like his story kind of ties into a lot of themes that the show is about on a higher level. But just what, what, was, yeah. your, what was your decision there to kind of split the narrative in that way? Well... The thesis statement of the show when it was first conceived of, which was years ago, I mean, this has been a real journey to from concept to screen, uh, was a buddy comedy between a straight man and a woman who identified as a lesbian but was secretly also attracted to men. Mm -hmm. And it was always about, you know, like... Who, I mean, I think for me, romantic, it was a platonic romantic comedy. And in romantic comedies, it's always this idea of like, you know, 
can men and women really be friends? Like, will they always yeah. be a, like very when Harry met Sally and like men and women, each one doesn't understand the opposite gender. Mm-hmm. But to me, it was always really interesting that like the perspective that would probably be most beneficial in that argument of like, what's the difference between men and women or would be a bisexual person who has been intimate with both men and women mm-hmm. and knows the difference or a lot of the differences firsthand. So that was the kernel of the idea. And then it was also about being each other's wingmans. Like what if there was a platonic like yeah. bromance between a man and a woman mm-hmm. and that they could give each other a perspective into each other's like romantic interests that no one else could. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that does also help towards your point of not preaching to the choir to give yeah. people who don't share that exact identity with Layla that kind of way in to this story. Yeah, I think oftentimes, you know, it, if you say that you're a bisexual and I, I'll bring this into like the tenderness, right? It automatically you're kind of ostracized. It's like you're not a real lesbian or you're just like, you know, you're just experimenting and then you you kind of feel forced to be like, well shit, I have to come in hard and I have to be this like gung-ho lesbian because God forbid I have experience with both and I'm still interested in experience with both, I get fucking reamed a new one. So I agree with you, Jesse, completely that it's it's a new it's a new story. It's a new demo of people targeting. And it's something that I personally have never seen before, but I identify with, um, which was so re- refreshing, honestly. Thanks. Yeah. Um, and also, I just meant like, in general, if you I don't identify as bisexual and yeah. you see this title, then maybe you're like, oh, this is a niche thing that's not mm-hmm. for me. But that, like I had a straight female friend who was watching it and loving it, and she really loved that character of Gabe because I think she almost identified with him more mm-hmm. than with Layla because she's <laughs> straight. And so like the questions he's asking Layla, she also has yeah. about queer women. Um, okay, so there are two, nice. two specific scenes I want to ask you about as a writer-director. Um, so one is in episode five and it is you. So I don't know. I'll, I'll say you meaning Layla because whatever I'm going to do it whether or not I try to. Okay. So, um, well, Layla and Sadie are broken up and you as Layla surprise her at her apartment and (laughs) there's a lot of tension between you. She wasn't expecting to see you. I think she doesn't know what to do with your presence and she goes to the sink to wash her hands, ostensibly to, like, kill time, because she doesn't know what to do. And so her back is to us. So She's you whip sink. your clothes off. <laughs> yeah. No, but there's so much. Okay, I mean, and it is also Such funny, a pervert. But I th- there's something so profound about your choices in this scene as a director that your back is to the camera, her back is to you, and you take your clothes off and hug her. And so all of a sudden there's this very unexpected nudity, but it's not for the audience's pleasure. Mm -hmm. And it's not even for the other character's pleasure. It's an emotional Mm -hmm. gesture. Mm -hmm. It's like, I am here to be raw with you and real with you. And I just don't think we ever see choices like that. You know, I don't think that, I'm sorry, but I don't think most male writers or directors would know how to write that scene and how to block that scene. Completely agree. Without it being sexual, right? Exactly. For, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I don't how how much what were you thinking when you wrote that and directed that? 
directing, it was really hard uh-huh. um, just because it? we had no time. Mm. It was the last hour of the day. And that's how most of the sex scenes happened. I don't know how the, the, the logistics of shooting the show were the hardest of my career so far. Yeah. Uh, it was just a really uh, rust shoot. And so we had two hours, we had one hour left in the day and also I've always shot sex scenes alongside my writing and producing partner, Cecilia Frugioelle. Right. And she had just given birth before this shoot and she wasn't there for most of it. Mm-hmm. And I felt really freaked out and yeah. I like full disclosure, to be honest, like I was winging it that day and we were just rushing and racing the clock and I followed my instincts. I think we, before, while I was in prep myself, and my producer, Katie Carpenter, and my exec, Naomi DePere, like we sat down and talked through each of the scenes. I forget how many major sex scenes there were, but we had listed them all out and we had our references and our shots and had kind of compiled all of it together. And the only shot I knew I wanted for this one was the overhead shot that ends the episode. Uh-huh. That we had a comp in lust caution, like an overhead shot of both their bodies entwined. And yeah. I thought, you know, I'd like that image to be the end image of the episode if possible. Yeah. yeah. That image also then, really struck me again, because it's not oh, meant good. to be Thanks. erotic. It's conveying yeah. something emotional. It's real. Yeah. Um, well, I think that yeah. the idea of like, how do we get from point A to B to C with the sex was really tricky. And of while I was editing, this was my, like of all the sex scenes I've shot, I feel like I shot myself in the foot the most with this one. So it's really nice and interesting to to talk about it in an interview because I always feel like I got like we just basically had to bide our time to the last shot, which worked. But everything else was sort of piecemealing and I felt lost with all of it. I think the smartest move was, yeah, the taking the clothes off. And to me, that was that was a decision on set where it was like, well, how do we go? how do we get into this? And I think it's about Layla being completely vulnerable and going for it. And I wasn't concerned with where the camera was. It was important to me that the camera was, was not being uh, spoon fed the story. Right. Yeah. That, you know, like you're not going to have a close up on Layla deciding this. You're not going to have a close up, like, especially because we just came from the past that episode five is a mm-hmm. flashback. Mm hmm. But I think at the heart of it, it was just about vulnerability and and because she has to she's the one who's put them in that position, that yeah. she's the person who's made Sadie feel humiliated and lied to. And that this was about her opening herself up to like complete vulnerability and, and kind of begging for forgiveness. Yeah, well. I think it came out perfectly. I mean, those two, those two images so have been burned in my mind. That, like, Powerful. you taking your clothes off behind her and that scene of you guys on the floor. And I, I know that there is a little bit of sex in between it, but I honestly don't even remember that because it wasn't <laughs> yeah. even the point of it. Yeah. Um, but it was also about, like, how would you... I think the question we were all asking ourselves that uh, day was, like, well, how would you... How do you reignite intimacy with someone mm-hmm. you've been with for 10 years right. and then have been apart from? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it's not going to be that. I And at first, I think actually our first conversations were like fast, hard kitchen floor. Got to yeah. fuck you right now feeling. Uh-huh. And then it ended up remaining the kitchen floor, but it was actually really slow and really tender and, yeah. and much more like a body, you know. 
and cherish you know cherish is such a what a, what a <laughs> let's use more derogatory cherish. terms what a gay way to put that but uh, uh yeah, yeah you know yeah. like like that they didn't they already had intimacy and they didn't need urgency yeah. that they could take their time and that's where that clothing thing came from like the taking off the clothes yeah. right awesome um my hair the, if you guys could see the hairs on my arm like reliving it all my hair you just grew hair on up. your arm <laughs> no they're standing up now because it's just it's so, it's so fucking rude we've all yeah. been there whether yeah, or not yeah. it's a 10-year relationship or right. a 10-month relationship like those are moments that are so fucking real that you kind of like you write about them in your journal and you kind of forget because you're used to that like hard kitchen floor fucking right you're not used yeah, to yeah. seeing yourself directly like holy fuck i've been in that where the emotions are so raw everything is and you you're not sure if it's okay right even though you've had that connection and that intimacy and that relationship for such a long time like a moment like, like that time. it feels yeah, yeah it's, it's like it feels like the first time and it's just it's shit that nobody sees that we need to see and it's so fucking powerful and i think that um obviously like props to you for creating this moment that really speaks to a community of people that don't see that often which is humans Thanks. which is humans <laughs> but yeah. queer people but I also want to say that, that yeah women Thanks. I also want to say that this is very much a collaboration that like these scenes mm-hmm. were over like thought and overthought 10 different times by myself, Katie Carpenter the producer, mm-hmm. Rian uh oh fuck what's Rian's last name? I'm going to look it up right now. <laughs> Naomi DePair, our exec. And uh, I think her last name's Gion Jones. It sucks that I don't know Rianne's last name, but our script editor, Rianne. And <laughs> Cecilia, when she was able to come join us. Like right, what's right. so cool about having made this show is that, and like most of those women are are queer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there you go. That it was all of us together sharing very personal stories. And at the end of the day, everyone gave me the control or the like the empowerment I needed to be at the helm of it on mm-hmm. set. But that while we were writing, while we were while I was shot listing, while we were picking up references in mm-hmm. films and in photographs, it was all these women who were mostly queer and talking very frankly about their bodies and sex. Mm-hmm. And that's an experience that like I get credited for or a or a, a result that I get credited for, but the experience of it was actually incredibly collaborative. Yeah. Um, okay, so then I just want to jump to the next episode. First of all, mm-hmm. this amazing opening shot of you <laughs> lying just, in bed, <laughs> like such a fucking topless. dude. <laughs> topless, but like, you know, hairy armpits, and you are just like yes. arms up, chilling, like post-coital, so smug. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> another. Like, My brother was so disgusted with me. He was like, did you really have to do that? Desi, like he yes. was like he's he hates armpit hair, and I just realized the other day he had just finished watching it, and he was so upset with me, but in like a very brotherly, understanding way. He's like, I get it, but I also don't get it, and it was it's so funny. It wasn't yeah. the nudity that bothered him, uh-huh. but the armpit the hair. hair. Yeah, it was the armpit hair that was, and what I realized in that moment when he was telling me that was like, oh, I because in life I don't have armpit hair, I shave, yeah. but I grew it out kind of because I knew it would piss him off like I thought <laughs> that awesome. would be so alienating and funny and yeah, like, yeah. I'm not, I actually armpit hair makes me feel kind of smelly even <laughs> though I find it hot on but I find it hot on women yeah, so yeah. I, I grew it out <laughs> just to piss my brother off just wanted to add that awesome. to the conversation well I guess that's a good sign then if you've pissed off your brother you made a good choice uh, I mean Gabe is very much inspired by my brother yeah and we're very close so that dynamic and that that love that they have for each other that's you know 
very uh, curmudgeonly at times um, (laughs) is inspired by us. Um, Okay, so there's actually a a moment after that that I really wanted to ask you about. And I know, Alana, you had something to say about this, too, which was this really fucking crazy choice that you made. Yes. When (laughs) the shower. Yes. Yeah. when, (laughs) When Sadie gives you some hard news. And she goes to take a shower and the camera stays on you for a whole minute, a minute of a close up, <laughs> which maybe doesn't sound that crazy to people listening. But no, believe it's ridiculous. me, I dare you to find another movie that has given an actor mm-hmm. a minute long close up yeah. with literally nothing happening, but just some subtle emotional roller coaster playing across their face. And. I wonder if you had to fight for that or was that even your idea? Because I can imagine people being like, you can't expect an audience to just watch your face for a minute. But I was fucking spellbound by it. I thought it was brilliant. Thanks. I really thought so. First off, that is entirely Naomi DePere's idea. She is the exec who commissioned this show or she is the exec. I first pitched it to at Sister Pictures, which is the production company that produced it. Uh Uh, I when we wrote that. So it was her idea, but it was it's one of those things where we throw a million ideas and that one was like, mm-hmm. oh, that's apeshit crazy. Let's put it in the script, but it'll <laughs> yeah. definitely get cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we shot it and then we when we edited it in, I thought the networks are never going to go for this. Mm. And shockingly, never did anyone give me a note on it. Not a single note. I'm that no. shocking. Because there was no other out. Like, we also didn't, if they had given a note, we would have been fucked because there was no other. I had shot myself into a corner. (laughs) There was no other way to shoot that. And then it's like, oh, that was a quick shower. Yeah, Uh, if you look at the scene, I mean, she goes into the shower, there's no other coverage, and then she's out of the shower, and I have tears (laughs) down my face. Like, it's it's just a different. it's, 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 It's so funny to me. I mean, that really, it's. As much as I bitch and moan about having had to collaborate with so many different people, it yeah. brought ideas like that. To the, by that, I don't mean the collaboration of writing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you can't get a costume approved without five execs being <laughs> right. like, I agree. Right. Great costume. Right. Like, <laughs> it's it's such a different process to making a movie. Uh-huh. Um, just so many things need to be approved. Right. But as difficult as that approval process is, when it came to something like that, which was such a strong, bold choice, nobody questioned it and it's one of my favorite elements of the show yeah it was it was I mean it was just fucking perfect and I I feel like I keep going back to personal only because it's just so it blows my mind that you know watching scenes like that because it is literally as if I'm reliving moments in my own life (laughs) you know what I mean like I specifically remember (laughs) (laughs) but I specifically had that same moment you know where I was the one sitting and I just remember thinking to myself like I am sitting by myself fucking just with all of my thoughts like seeing that reflected it's like that's what I was doing and I was you know I could hear my ex crying in the shower and it's like you know if you saw that on the film you'd want to see the girl like you know in the shower right but it wasn't that it was the the entire opposite so I think for me it's just like you know yes obviously maybe there was no other plan b but also maybe what people watched and they were like I fucking been there and you know you have that like moment of like realization where you're like this is important because this happens you know and again for the 20,000th time like this is real shit real shit that you don't see and I think going bold too as a director I I think at least it was bold like the things if you execute it well and if you have a very strong point of view, there are so many misses. There were so many things that we argued about. And yeah. those were because I think they weren't as bold as that. Agreed. Agreed. And no doubt. I, 
I think it was just, it was just a, I was very lucky, but also the stars aligned and we shot what we intended to and yeah. everyone was sort of on board because it was, you're with it or you're not. And I think that right. was the same with the title of the show where it's like super alienating to some, it doesn't quite mm-hmm. represent what the show is, but it's also kind of a joke. Yeah. No, it, it, it was, ugh, it's just, I just, I can't, I, I just don't have any words. It's just, some, it's, it's, it's a beautiful piece of work Thanks. and it's, ugh, I have no words. I go, Jesse, I'm dead. I'm dead. No, well, I'm, <laughs> I'm dead. Words. Um, before we let you go, Desiree, uh, we were hoping that you would also do a quick round of our hot takes wheel with us. You're not here in the studio to spin this wheel, but we have a rickety wheel that has some random topics on it that we like to have our guests spin. And then we all go around and give a really quick hot take on this topic. So if you would allow Lovely. us to spin for you. On your behalf. Yes. Yes. Please spin on my behalf. <laughs> okay. I'll spin. I'm going to, yeah. I'll spin it. for you. Okay. Oh, fuck. This thing is no, so is rickety. Maybe. <laughs> okay. I got it. Wait, do this. I'm just going to go like this. And then we're going to do that. What is this? Do you make the first move? Do you make the first move? <laughs> it's not really a hot is that take. A, is that Whoever a hot take? submitted that one. <laughs> Do I make the first move? Do you move? make the first what? Well, it's interesting. Yeah, in it's way, interesting. Do you okay. make the first move? Let's chat. Generally. Generally. Um, I think it's tricky because like I'm not afraid to make the first move, but sometimes you can feel someone else is what like is that is a top. I mean, and I mean that in both <laughs> yes. straight and gay dynamics. Yeah, yeah. And your move is to allow them to make the move. Oh. oh, you know what I, I mean? I feel like that's a yeah. nice excuse for someone who's afraid to make the first. No, I know it. Well, but no, like, I get but it. you allow them to. I think yeah. you make the right, first right, right. move by giving oh, them the first... space. Yeah. Oh, I like yeah. that. Isn't and like, like providing an opportunity for them to make a move. But yes. when in doubt, like I'll make it. And I have often struck out. Like I think <laughs> last time, last year I was, I asked someone, I was like, <laughs> I think I was like, I'd really like you to kiss me right now. Something so lame and cheesy. And they were like, I have a girlfriend. I remember it was like, of course not. The response wasn't just like, I'm in a relationship. It was like, what's wrong with you? I was like, like, no, no, no. I just said a cheesy line from a movie. So now you have to do something cheesy. Like say, I've been waiting for this my whole life. And then we make it. Exactly. Exactly. Bummer. Precisely. I thought I had provided this person with the opportunity to make a move. All right. Um, No, no. I'm no regrets. Okay. Alana? I am, uh, I, um, I, I am a much better anchor than I am a hooker. You know, hooker. <laughs> I'm a hoe. <laughs> you know, like, I can't really go fit. If someone starts it, I'll bring it home. Do you know what I mean? Got it. But I'm so fucking awkward in general. And anyone who's dated me knows that in the very beginning, I don't know how to speak. All of a sudden, I lose motor control. Like, I don't know what's happening. But Maybe I Maybe that's stay- your move. Maybe. Is losing motor <laughs> control. losing motor control. I will stay <laughs> as still as possible. Pants. You know, I'll just stay still and wait for for you to approach and then once we once we get there I'll have the confidence at the end to be like we're doing this you know what I mean (laughs) so I I would love to make the first move I'm just like completely incapable and I turn into a wet noodle so um, it's something I've become better at with age yeah which I don't know how old you are but I just want to say that sorry what I said I'm 27 you're 27 I think should I have learned something 
the further <laughs> into my 30s I get, mm-hmm. I I start to to master that because I think I used to be like that. Yeah, and I think not maybe, that you need to change. No, I definitely <laughs> I would like to, and I think part of it for me is being uncomfortable in the sense of you know when you go out into the queer community and you are super femi, not a lot of people. Um, for sure. You know what? I, I I now with a shaved head, honestly, I feel a little more confident to not be rejected. Oh yeah, what's your life like now? Um, I'm that feeling. You shaved your head. Is it better? I'm feeling a little cuntier. Um, <laughs> yes, fair enough. A little sassier. I, I honestly feel a lot more confident because I don't have, and I had a lot of hair to hide behind. Um, but yeah, I, I think a feel, lot of lesbians get super yes, confident and yeah. sexy when they shave their heads, and I, it has like the op. It's very yes. funny how hair is like very different in the gay world versus the straight world. Totally, totally. And I noticed that I get more attention from both. You know, usually it's like I know the type of girl that's going to like me, right? But now I, I feel like I appeal to a, a new group of people, and I. I I don't know. It, it makes yeah. me feel a little more um, assured, assured, self assured. Or Has it affected how men behave with you? Yeah, yeah, um, that's my question. Honestly, too. men are fucking freaky. It's it is weird. It's like almost like a fetish now, you know. And I before I shaved my head, a lot of my guy friends were like, "Ooh, that's gonna be ooh, don't do that." Like, oh, gross. But now when I do, but now like, they're feeling it. Now they're feeling it, and it's like weirdly fetishy. You know what I mean? Like you get a lot of people that are like, "Can I just like." touch your head dude the first day I'm that like, we came ew. back into the studio after you shaved your head <laughs> yeah. we walked out oh, yeah. and this man literally blocked your way yeah. in the middle of the street he put out both <gasps> his arms yeah, that was really he was like two inches from her face and yeah. didn't want to let her pass what did he, what did he say he said something what like, did he want from he you? was like you're gonna have to say the secret password to get by me and i was like <gasps> ah you That's know so intense it was so intense and i tried to like play it off like a joke you know when you immediately don't know what to do because you're and i was like haha yeah. i got no money like trying to you know and then he like <laughs> wouldn't move and i could feel jesse like heating up behind me and oh it, i was like ready you were to ready swing. to throw bows yeah but it, it, yeah i don't know men are just really freaky are oh. you guys still dating <laughs> i am a sad sad lonely single no i'm actually not lonely at all i feel pretty good there you but go. yeah the head, the head thing yeah um, so you're telling me that technique did not work. The technique okay. did right. not work. <laughs> Repeat, did not work. Do not try that at home. But I'm sure that man is still hoping he'll yeah. come around. CBD. Um, I was dating someone earlier this year who kept accusing me of not making a first move, like in general, and we would be hanging out. And then so one right. day I went to her apartment when we were going to hang out, oh. and I walked in and I tried to kiss her, and she dodged me. Ah! <laughs> And I, I still fucked up over it. I'm like, what what sick game was that? Oh, what the fuck? Yeah, I don't know. That's really funny. What did you say? Were you like, but you wanted this? No, I was so, I didn't say anything. And then at the end of the night, I was like, you know, I tried to kiss you when I walked in here, right? And she was like, yeah, it just really caught me off guard. Wait, but did you guys not kiss when you saw, like, do you not normally kiss when you see each other? Or did you go in like, let's fucking go? Like, did you come for her? No, we didn't usually kiss when we, I don't know. We hadn't been dating that long, but Uh, I don't know. It was a weird thing. That is Anyway, I don't know. Well, I, I'd rather not make the first move because I'm just all confused and I just now you're just tight about it. Yeah, now you're just all kind know. of fucked up. It's confusing out there, guys. I know. Stay strong, guys. <laughs> yes. Stay I strong. think that there really isn't anything. Like I, I think the anticipation of rejection versus the reality of rejection is is so much worse. Yeah, agreed. And that there actually is a lot of freedom and like going for it and being snubbed. Agreed. I, so, I say as someone who's been snubbed a lot. <laughs> so maybe our maybe our thing is anyone who's hearing this this episode and there's that one person that you wanted to make the first move, go fucking do it and let just us go know. Go for it. Go for it. I'll do it too. Because 
Yeah. I like that. At least you feel like a badass. Like there's nothing going to hold you back. Yeah. There's nothing you're not going to try. Hell yeah. Hey man, regret is the only fear you should really carry. That's right. So just do it. Okay. I think that concludes That's it. this episode of The Female Gaze. Uh, Desiree, Thank you, ladies. congrats on the show. Yes. It's fucking awesome. Thank you. Uh, and the film, all the things that you've made. I just want to see all the next shit that you're going to do. You're killing it. You're such an inspiration. Thanks, we guys. We fucking love you and When you make you that do. Star is Born sequel, it is going to be <laughs> the <laughs> best <laughs> sequel. If you need I'm, two I'm protagonists, we're here. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, great. I'm, I, you heard it here first. That's right. Here. Thank you so, so much for coming on this Thank morning you guys. or this afternoon over there in London. We super, super appreciate it. And apologies you. for all the street sound. <laughs> it added some nice ambiance. We, we dug it. All right, guys, that's right. it for the Female Gaze Pod. See you next time. Bye, everyone. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.